0: I'm Helen Marshall, and this is the Diary of a CLO. I hope no one's listening, but if you are, definitely share it. In this episode, I'm joined by Monique Cariol, who is a leadership coach and motivational speaker, and she co-founded Bravery in the Boardroom just over a year ago to turn the dial up on inclusive leadership and talent development. She also set up Your New Avenue, a leadership and talent development consultancy. Monique's energy is infectious and she's pushing authentic and brave leadership forward for everyone. We chat about all that and more in this episode. Enjoy. Monique, hi, and welcome to the Diary of a CLO. Thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you doing?
1: I am good, Helen. It's happy new Month. I'm feeling really good. I need the spring. Bring it on.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling that. I could definitely do with a little bit of sunshine. It's currently raining where I am, which is (laughs) classic England. Uh, Just to get straight into it, really, you've had such an interesting uh, career that spans, I suppose, many years of working in the NHS specifically. Mm -hmm. But you're now running your own leadership and talent development consultancy. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So,
1: would you like me to share my sort of journey so far, or just what I'm doing now? Or a bit. Yeah, of I'd love to. I'd love to hear a bit of both. Yes, please. Okay. So, as you mentioned, I had a 20 year career in the NHS. Um, I started off as a PA, and so when my first, I've got three children, so when my oldest daughter was two, I um, started off as a PA um, and was just completing my degree. So when I did that, I knew what I wanted to kind of push on, and I worked for a team who did service improvement. So that was where I started my career and kind of just navigated on from that. Always being driven by wanting to earn more, you know, like wanting to be able to live more comfortably. Um, that was always what drove me in the early part of my career. Quite a big fear of not having enough money. Um, my parents were teenage parents and I grew up in quite a deprived area. And I saw work as a way of um, getting me away from that situation and kind of giving me choices. I saw work and having an income and being able to pay your bills and giving you choices in life. So I was always driven by that. Um, so I had a long career in the NHS, was a commissioner. I've been the familiar with the NHS. I was a commissioner for 10 years. And then I went into working for a provider organisation, so a provider of the care. And um, got into the boardroom. Uh, when I got into the boardroom, I think my youngest child was four. They hadn't started school yet and um, when I got there I was the youngest director at the time and I was the only black director at the time. So quite daunting space to be in and I was promoted from within. So I think also having to rebrand and reinvent myself to a point to be recognized as a director, but not losing who I was. And I remember a number of something really stuck in my mind that stood me in good stead when um, I became a director was so many people saying don't change, we need you, we need you in the ballroom, we need the way you lead, we need the way you think, we need the way you are Monique, don't change and don't forget us and I think that's then really important because sometimes when people climb the ladder, you forget where you you started, you forget those people who helped you and I think that advice that people gave me, I really carried that through. So I was in the ballroom for five years. Um was a director of strategy and transformation. Kind of started to get itchy, if I'm honest. Um, and knew that my next step would be a CEO. Didn't want to be an NHS CEO. It's extremely political, and I didn't think that was the right route for me. Um, so made a decision to step out, you know. Um also I stepped out 15 months into the pandemic. So I'd been the lead COVID recovery director for the first 12 months of the pandemic big responsibility for the organization, massive, massively into the unknown, very stressful, but also um, really set me in good stead for moving forward Um, and realized that I was always passionate about helping people, developing leaders, helping people develop their potential to grow, Um, but more importantly, helping people to lead as they were and develop the skills that they were great at and then really helping them to navigate that within my team and within the organization and seeing people flourish in that space. I knew I wanted to do more of that and be able to, I describe it as growing a movement of brave leaders and building a movement of brave leaders, but supporting people to lead bravely you know, across the world, really, that's my vision. So. And why I set up my own consultancy and here I am talking more about brave leadership and helping people as a leadership coach and consultant.
0: And I, and I know you, you you run bravery in the boardroom, but actually in that situation, you, you were really brave in taking a step out of the boardroom and starting your own business, particularly off the back or during COVID and off the back of a really difficult time. That yeah. must have been a really brave decision for you to make.
1: Actually, you know... With height, I can look back on it and reflect and say, you know, this wasn't a design to be able to look at the decision I did bravely. But I think what I would be really honest about is it took me 15 months to, from when I realized it was right for me to leave. And the honest conversation that happened was with one of my daughters who said, do you know what, Mum? You keep moaning about work. You keep moaning about how you feel. You need to put up or shut up. And actually, it was a, it was harsh, but it, she was right. Either get your head down and stay in the role that you are or step out and make a decision about what else is out there for you. And it was a real cat. That simple slap in the face was a real catalyst. But 15 months of planning in that, I worked with my coach, you know, about really working through all my pros and cons, my feelings when I'd run towards it. And then the next day, I'd be like, no, 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 I can't, I can't took 15 months to put that resignation letter in and I was fortunate enough that I could also save up six months worth of expenses you know to be able to have that to give me some breathing space because I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time so let me tell the story honestly when I decided to leave I knew I didn't want to make the next step in the NHS but I didn't know what I wanted to do. and and I had to explore that and that 15 months of working with my coach helped me to explore and understand that and even when I did leave I still wasn't quite sure but I needed headspace to decompress and then work out what I wanted to do so it was then another six to nine
0: months of not quite doing it before I started the consultancy Mm. and what motivates you now so I know you mentioned in those early days of your career you were motivated by then. Always earning more and and having more and 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 having enough to live comfortably, is that still something that drives you, or has that shifted now to to something else?
1: I know I have been in a deep seated fear of not being able to provide for my children. You know, I have three children, as I said, and and it's irrational because I know that I have had enough. You know, I've had a good salary where, thankfully, I can I have we have been okay, um, but I still had that fear. So I think deep down inside, I still have that. That that still fuels me about I want to know that I can provide for my children um, and that I'm in control of that. I think that really drives me. And I think it's what propelled me past the fear of being scared to set up my own business. I think that propelled me past it to go, well, you either go back to the corporate role or you get on with this and you try and make it work because... Otherwise, you won't be able to provide for your children. So in a way, much as it's been irrational at times, it's definitely fueled me to
0: face my fears.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was going to ask you about your experience and whether you faced any direct discrimination from, from being a female leader, but mm-hmm. then throwing into the mix there being a mother as well Mm -hmm. like all three elements have will have played a part in your story how have you faced any any I, i suppose direct discrimination from that but how has if you have has that shaped who you are today yeah so i haven't faced direct discrimination
1: if that's the language you want to use by how i hear people how i hear it defined, absolutely face microaggressions over and over and again and time and time again and what I would say is I very much experienced, I worked in spaces where people knew they couldn't say it. They knew they couldn't be, they couldn't discriminate directly. So what, pe- what I did experience is people voicing more openly about my age, you know, passing comment and my pro and comments to try and de-, you know, to rock me in relation to my age or making reference to my background never directly about my race, because I think they knew they couldn't say it. They knew that that wasn't allowed, but feeling that it was quite okay to make reference to my age or to question my question my capability, you know, question, you know, someone, I got feedback, someone, you know, a colleague shared that after I left the room presenting to a set of senior stakeholders, where I was a peer in that room, um, oh, she's a bright little button, isn't she? And thinking that that's okay to say, which isn't, I wa. But that colleague said that back to me that someone had said that in the room. So it's almost like, you know, um, I'd get the vibe of, you know, you should be grateful that you're in this space. You know, that was the vibe I got from people. um, But my determination was actually. You know, I know I'm good at what I do because the results say it. it's not from a point of arrogance. It's the results and the people I work with who, who tell me that my work is good, or that the people I'm, you know, leading and serving, tell me that they appreciate and they want me to lead them in the way that I am and to work with them in the way that I do. So I stood by that, my courage and conviction in that space, and thought, yeah, okay, if you if you you know you see that or you want to try and belittle me you can try it's not going to happen because my value and my my values and my um understanding of my capability isn't set by those comments and reactions
0: Mm. it says a lot about your character as well i think in in that situation and being sticking to knowing what you val and knowing what your values are and 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 keeping true to that but also being able to um I guess be your authentic self as well. How much does that feed into you? And, and I suppose how you coach as well, does it feed into it?
1: Oh, very much so. I was saying to you before we press record, right, that my word for this year, I always have a word for the year. My word for this year is real. Um, something you'll learn about me is I like to keep it very simple. Okay, <laughs> There's a darkened word. I want to find something that's more simple to say it, but real. And I can't stand up. Um, in front of audiences when I'm doing keynotes I can't be coaching people I can't be speaking on your platform like this if I'm saying let you know be your authentic self be yourself and I'm not showing up as me you know and I think it's so important that you do that so for me here some of the things I'm talking to you about I feel uncomfortable about you know but it's important to be real it's important to share the reality of that so yes I I I talk in my style, you know, I speak in my style, present in my style, I lead in my style because that's how I do my best work. I'm not putting on a mask. I'm not trying to be somebody else. And that was hard. Going into a boardroom, like I said, where I was the youngest, you know, I was the the only black woman in there at the time. Going in there and being myself was hard because there was nobody else who was like me. There was nobody else from my background in knowing, like I said, teenage parents. So even more important that I showed up as me because I really felt like um I I want to show everyone else out there in the community that we serve that you can be here too, regardless of your start, regardless of, you know, who you are. If you're good at what you do and you want to, because not everybody wants to be in the boardroom, it's not a problem. But if you do want to excel, you can and you can do it as you and I'm determined. I am determined that we accept people as they are, you know, and we value people for their work. It's so important and it's why, one of the reasons why I co-founded Bravery in the Boardroom. Mm.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about Bravery in the Boardroom, specifically in the work that you do?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned it in what I just said, you know, we are determined to see boardrooms more representative of the communities and staff they serve. Um, And in that, I think being able to support senior leaders to lead bravely, to lead confidently, to lead inclusively, both if you're in the minority, stepping into the boardroom when you're in a minority, what does that feel like? How do you manage that? How are you in a state of readiness to cope with that, especially if the environment's toxic, but also the other side of the coin, challenging, challenging those in the majority? What are you doing? to lead inclusively. Are you giving your diverse leaders in the boardroom an equal voice, you know, or are they here just to tick a box? That's not what this is about. How are you succession planning? We hear those things. Oh, the talent isn't there. Yes, it is. Where are you looking? How are you looking? How are you looking at how you recruit? What are you trying to do differently? So really being able to challenge the conversation, but also share best practice. So bravery in the boardroom is a movement. We describe it as a movement. Because there's lots of work going on around in the ED&I space. You now, but what we're trying to hone down on is what more can we all do now to help turn the dial on senior diverse talent development, but also on inclusive leadership? Where's the good practice? Let's share it. Let's understand it. Where are we hearing? Where do we see? When do you see panels you know, of ethnically diverse senior leaders telling their stories of women telling their story and journey. The sessions that we run, we run um, webinars and they're almost like online mentoring sessions, you know, for people to hear, if you haven't got a mentor, if you haven't got someone sponsoring you, if you haven't got someone tapping you on the shoulder, if you're not in a position of privilege to have been guided on how to navigate your career, how to hold your own in political spaces, etc., how do you find that out? You know, we encourage our panel guests to share that, share what helped you, share what the challenges were, what's that key advice you would give, but how are you using your power and influence now? So it's a challenge back to them as well. What now are you doing to help turn the dial now? When we have, we all have power. How are we using it to help others grow and develop, you know, and, and that's where the bravery comes from. It's not just about the bravery to get into the boredom, but when you
0: are there, I'm asking and encouraging you to lead bravely and help others too. And you've used a word a couple of times or maybe even a few times in what you've just said in challenging people and I imagine as part of doing that to get people, to challenge people to think about the actions that they're taking, that conversation in itself must be quite challenging. Do you, <laughs> do you have, are they uncomfortable conversations, yeah. how, do you, how do you manage yeah. that?
1: Yeah. Sometimes they are uncomfortable. And I think um, one of our panel guests, Bao said about, we need, the discom- we need to go to the dis- discomfort to sometimes spark the right action, you know? And I think that's what we talk about. I, I like to describe my approach as supportive challenge, because okay? I'm here with you. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm saying there's more no we all can do. So let's all do it together. And that's why we talk about the movement. Because if you have uncomfortable conversations collectively, if you collectively commit to take action, all of us taking action, no matter how small it is, will make a collective difference. And I really believe in the power of movement to spark action and drive change. You know, my, my whole career has been about being a change agent and understanding how to influence people to change and how to sustain change. So being able to bring that experience into this space I think is very
0: important mm-hmm. and what I suppose what what's next for you so what 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 does 2023 have in store for you so I imagine there's some exciting plans you've got in the works well,
1: under the banner of real right so this is remember I was saying so under the banner of real so definitely you know if I talk about my vision so my vision for my consultancy is that we are a leadership think tank you know and I think because I'm so Determined, you know, to, I want to be able to empower and encourage more people. You know, it's not good enough for me that I got into the boardroom. I want to use that insights and experience to empower and encourage other people to help. You know, because I think that's what people want to support to be to be speaking in more spaces to widen our reach to to drive the conversation further. You know, to reach more ears. So. This year really is about building the movement, building my consultancy. So we are helping more senior leaders, but also emerging leaders. I think me and you spoke, spoken that about that as well, haven't we about the reason why I'm bravery in the boardroom and why I co-founded that is because boardrooms have power and if we're going to change the dynamic, we need to change the dynamic in the, the ultimate leadership of organizations to, to drive that through from the top and, you know, to lead by example, but. We also have to think about succession planning. Who are our next senior leaders? And actually, I really want to work with more emerging and mid-level leaders to support them on understanding your own leadership style, understanding what you're great at, and supporting you to feel confident to lead and deliver as you are. You know, and really having an understanding of that and building that confidence now, helping people to understand how to lead inclusively, building confidence to step forward and do it, you know? And that actually they are gonna grow the next wave of leaders. So that's where the the snowball effect comes. So this year, wanting to really be able to add value in both of those spaces and speak more about the conversations like what we're having now, you know, to be able to drive that change.
0: Yeah, well, there's, there's definitely gonna be some powerful stuff that you do. And I know you, while we were talking um, before, you mentioned that uh, you're recording a new podcast as well and uh, yes. kind of almost step- pushed you out your comfort zone slightly as well <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh so I feel like everything is pushing me out of
1: my comfort zone okay I, sometimes I feel like I want to run under the duvet and hide right so you can't because as I said you cannot be saying Monique to everybody else be brave and then you'll hiding it under the duvet so I actually have a leadership podcast already called be yourself back yourself and make it happen Um, And that's for leaders at any level. And I started recording that while I was on my transition journey and um, recorded it at my kitchen table with my son's gaming headphones, Learned how to use the software and just did it. Okay. I wanted to reach more people. This time we're up in, we're up in our game. Okay. So working with um, Sam, my co-founder and the the Bravery in the Boardroom team, we're doing Bravery in the Boardroom, the podcast. So that will launch in April. Um, and the reason for doing that is what we're saying here about widening reach, trying to reach more people. Everybody's busy. It's extremely challenging out there. And whilst we know that our live events bring a, a very unique kind of energy, a powerful energy and conversation, we hear that in feedback. We also know two things. One is we want to have um, evergreen content that people can go to at any time, it will serve many leaders many times over. But also, we want to. People want to dig in. They want to know. I'm so grateful for you giving me some time on your platform because people want to hear a little bit more. And when we have panels, they're powerful. They spark off each other. Really get a, a, a breadth of um, you know experience and inspiration. But actually, a lot of the time, people I want to know more about Helen. I want to know what make Helen makes Helen tick. They want to know more. So, being able to do the podcast episodes enable us to. Have a lot of me to have longer conversations with some of those senior leaders and, and what they stand for and who they're representing we're not bringing you the leaders that are all in the majority we want to bring you the leaders who are diverse who are standing up for a cause and to understand how they're doing it who are great allies what is it you're doing and how are you doing it I think that's what people want to learn from and
0: understand as well. Mm. I can't wait to to watch it when they are released because I know that you the the Bravery in the Boardroom podcast—I've already enjoyed listening to—and um, so I can't wait to to h- hear what's next on the on the video podcast and and see what's next essentially. And like you say, just be able to dip into that content at the r- at the right time when it's when it kind of suits your audience as well, and be able yes. to get that as you say evergreen content. So I'm excited. Uh, thank you for sharing your energy so openly and uh, being your authentic self as well. And. Uh, yeah look forward to hearing what's next for you in in the year oh thank you so thank
1: you so much and right back at you in terms of i love the title of your podcast and um, i can't wait to hear more i love what you're doing as well to kind of come at the world of work the world of learning and the future of learning in a in a different way so um really
0: look forward to hearing all of your episodes as well amazing thanks monique speak to you later Thank you. this podcast is powered by thrive We're a complete learning and skills platform creating modern learning solutions for modern businesses globally. Check us out.